I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to the first RHS Gardening Podcast of the decade. We're all feeling a bit groggy after welcoming in 2020 and we're eager to get our fingers green again with some new gardening endeavours. We finished 2010s with a busy year on the podcast. In 2019, we've reported from RHS shows, bringing a live Q&A podcast to Wales for the first time. We've continued to give you a behind-the-scenes look at our publication, The Garden Magazine. And we've heard how gardening has helped people in many situations, from pensioners to prisoners to community gardeners. Horticulture has really shown how it can be good for everyone's well-being in the past 12 months. And we start today looking at just that. HMP Hull was awarded the Windlesham Trophy for the best prison garden in 2018 with, as the judges said, their outstanding performance. The trophy is a polished brass bell from a former Green Goddess fire engine and the award was introduced in 1984 by Lord Windlesham, head of the parole board, as a way of recognising the positive impacts of gardening on prisoners. Tended by a team of over 20, the gardens are used for rehabilitation and training, growing food and a range of other activities that benefit both the inmates and local communities. It's a prime example of the power of gardening to change lives. In early 2019, we spoke to the people behind the project to find out more. My name's Dave Wilson. I'm one of the two horticulture instructors here at HMP Hull. I've worked here for just over 12 years. And between us, we have a group of 24 prisoners. We tend to all the grounds and gardens inside the jail. Before I even started on here, when the newer side of the jail was created, there was nothing really there. There was large grassed areas, and that was it. Now, those specific areas turned those from empty grassed areas into what we call like mini plots, like replicable to what you'd farm on a farmland. So like we've got quite large open areas where now we grow various crops dependent on rotation. You wouldn't think you're in a prison. It's so vibrant all year round. And the RHS judges absolutely love it every time they come. It's amazing what you can do with a bit of creativity and a bit of enthusiasm in our some of the designs we've got, they've cost next to nothing, you know, recycled timber to make bug hotels in the smallest pockets of spaces that you can get them with. If you've got that enthusiasm and that creativity, you can really brighten an area up. 
when I first started, most of it was just grassed areas. We just had one or two areas with flower beds and that was it. My name is Steve Whitehead and I'm one of two garden instructors here. When the new area was built and it was all green, it was time to get the garden forks out and the spades and dig it all up and start making allotments. We have such a wide range of ages and demographics backgrounds on this party. The youngest at the moment we have is 19, the oldest is 74. People do set pieces on hanging baskets because that's what they're really good at, they specialise in hanging baskets. Or we have people who specialise at edging and trimming or shaping bushes and stuff like that. We work with a unit that specialises in long-term prisoners on life sentences and basically doing a hell of a lot of time. And some of these guys have serious, genuine mental health issues, some prolific self-harmers. And we take a percentage of our prisoners on our group from this unit to sort of like guide them through and the sort of therapeutical side of going outside, giving them that bit of responsibility, showing them the benefits and the beauty of nature and wildlife and these guys, the changes that you see. My name's Steve. I'm one of two peer mentors that work with the Gardens Party. In a way, I'm sort of a morale booster. <laughs> When I first came here, one of my friends was on the gardens. He said it was a great job, so I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a go and see what it's like. I hadn't done any gardening seriously since I was sort of a small child with my granddad. It seemed when I first joined that it wasn't your ordinary, everyday sort of prison job. We were given a fair bit more trust and we were out all day. When I'm on the gardens, I don't feel like I'm in prison. I'm just a member of a group of people doing a job that we love. To be recognized for doing something that I love, it gives me a sense of purpose every morning. You know, I get up, I think, okay, this is gonna be another good day. I'm gonna be out, I'm gonna be doing things that I wanna do. I know some people would say, well, you're in prison, you shouldn't be feeling like that, but I defy anybody to put a group of guys together doing a job they love and for them not to enjoy themselves. I've been diagnosed with a mild personality disorder and coming to work in the gardens, it gives me a chance to be calm and relaxed. I think if I hadn't been working on the gardens, I think I've probably have been in a lot more trouble over the years than I have been. It's my incentive for staying good. I know of several guys that work on the gardens that used to have issues with self-harm, and they don't anymore. Numbers of times where they come to us as self-harmers, and then they end up being the fancos for the work, the, the trust that we give them, and the work that they do outside, because it just makes them feel better within themselves. They've learned to be able to speak about it, to be able to deal with it, because we're a very tight-knit group. We will always support each other, because a lot of people, when they first come on, 
They're a bit worried, a bit scared. They're not sure what's going on. They're not sure where they fit in the whole scheme of things. But very soon, within sort of a few weeks, they're just a part of the crew. They're just one of us. And as such, they know that they can talk to us about pretty much anything. We will support them. And that's important. If you haven't got support in your life, if you're an island, you're going to struggle. I spent years thinking that I was just a horrible person. Yeah, I did some horrible things. So it sort of made sense to feel like that. It took a long time, and it wasn't really until I got in the gardens, and I realised that I could do better with my life. I felt more pride in growing something, improving on something, than destroying stuff. Until you feel that pride, you don't really understand it. For me, another one of my favourite things is that we started helping the community. Last year, the guys decided to donate so much of our crops to the local food bank, so within the summer months, once a week, we were taking a selection of fresh grown organic produce to the local food bank here in Hull. Peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, potatoes, beetroots, onions, broccoli, cauliflower, you name it sending our produce, things that we've grown, to help other people. I know it's a bit of a cliche in the respect that, yeah, we're prisoners and we want to help other people because we feel bad for the things we've done. But it's true. If we can help other people in the community get through their daily lives, it gives us a sense of worth as well. For people that have broken the law and been put away for a long time, that's important. My father passed away when I was young. I've only got a few photos of myself and uh, there was a photo of me next to him in his greenhouse. And like, personally, when we won the Windlesham Trophy last year, it sort of filled me up with a lot of pride and then hopefully making him proud. I'm the edger. I edge grass. I edge lawns, that's what I do. The RHS judges said that my edges were comparable to National Trust lawn edges. And that for me was amazing. Because you always question yourself, you always think you can do better, and to be told by professional people that the job you're doing is a professional job makes me feel brilliant. For us ordinary prisoners to be recognised by such a prestigious group for our work has really made a big difference to us. I mean, we've always taken pride in our work, but now it's like, yes. We have been recognised for what we do. For some of us, that's the first time in our lives we've been recognised for something that we've achieved. For links to more information about HMP Hull and their award-winning garden, visit our programme page at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. One major theme in 2019 was plastic. It's one of the biggest issues we face globally and as gardeners we're all responsible for reducing the amount of plastic that we use in our gardens and recycling what we can. Sally Nex is a regular contributor to The Garden magazine and she's passionate about reducing the amount of waste her plot generates. Last year she started a column about how 
and why gardeners should try and reduce their reliance on plastics. Sally spoke to the magazine's editor, Chris Young, on our sister programme, The Garden Podcast, about her desire to go plastic-free. I don't really like preaching to people, so it's not really about getting people to do anything or anything like that, but it's more just really showing people what's happened with me, really, because I've been trying to reduce the plastic in my garden now for a few years, actually, and it's something which I don't think anybody else is doing it to the extent that I'm doing it. It feels like a big scientific experiment, actually, and I'm enjoying it enormously. It's very intriguing. It's very challenging as well to come up with all these different solutions to something which isn't perhaps always instinctive. You know, the infrastructure, as it were, is not always automatically there. So you have to think around the subject a little bit. So it's been fascinating for me. And I just want to communicate some of that breaking new ground feeling, the idea that this could be just a new way to garden, really. I mean, it's really a new old way of gardening, because of course, a lot of these techniques have been very much in use before plastic came along. But for us, it feels new because it's like rediscovering it, I suppose. And I just want to communicate some of that feeling of discovering a whole new way of doing things. Just give us an update on where you think gardening and the horticultural industry is in terms of use and dependency on plastic. Well, it's interesting that you should use those two phrases because gardening and the horticultural industry are at entirely different places, I think, with this. The thing is, what I've discovered really is that what might be possible for us as amateur gardeners in our own back gardens is really, really difficult for the horticultural industry. And of course, we're both very much intertwined. And uh, what happens in the horticultural industry has a bit of a knock on effect to what goes on in our gardens. But there are really good practical reasons why it's very, very difficult to produce plants commercially without using plastic because the whole system is geared up towards producing plants, uh, great numbers of plants, very cheaply and very efficiently. And you can only really do that with plastic. It's very, very difficult to achieve that any other way. At home, however, we can be a little bit more inventive. We can do stuff like saving toilet rolls and making newspaper pots and all those kinds of things, which simply are not practical anywhere else. It does mean that At home, you can actually make many more inroads into gardening without plastic than you can on a sort of larger scale in garden centres and that kind of thing. So I do very much think that they're two different ways of approaching the issue, really. Having said that, the horticultural industry, they're really keen to do something about this and everybody's behind it. But the problem at the moment is that they can't really manage it very easily. At home, on the other hand, ordinary gardeners are really concerned about this, quite rightly so too. And there's a huge amount that you can do, in fact, in your own back garden. In terms of the series, you've got these 10 topics you're going to be covering each month from March until December. Give us a highlight of some of the areas that you're going to be exploring. Well, it's really working my way through the gardening year. I mean, I'm going to be starting with sowing and pricking out and all of those kinds of tasks. That's actually the area where I found it most easy to go plastic free because, of course, there are wooden seed trays and newspaper pots and little modules that you can make. There's also wonderful things called soil blockers, which create these little blocks of compost, essentially. You don't even need any pot for those. Once you've created those, you just sow into the pot and it's rather a lovely process, actually. The plant behaves completely differently. Rather than doing that thing where they grow lots of roots and then the roots start going round and round and round inside the pot, 
When you're sowing into biodegradable pots or soil blocks, what happens is that the roots come out the side of the block and they get naturally air pruned. Basically, they die off as soon as they touch the air. So it means they just carry on growing without going round and round. It means the plants establish more quickly. I've been really quite surprised, actually, by the uh, improvement in my results that I've got as a result of doing this. It's something I didn't really expect. I mean, I was looking for substitutes for plastic, really, something that was going to be as good or nearly as good or something like that. What I didn't expect was to find that gardening without plastic is often better and you get better results, which really stunned me, actually. I couldn't quite work out, you know, why this was. But it's largely, I think, to do with the fact that you are not disturbing the plant's roots at all. And I think that we underestimate sometimes how damaging that can be, especially for young seedlings and and young plants. Later in the series, I go on to look at, oh, lots of other types of plastic that we use in the garden. So things like hoses, irrigation and watering, that kind of thing. Plastic water butts, how to replace those with non-plastic alternatives. And then um, I'll also be looking at the the ubiquitous compost sacks, for example, those kind of single-use plastic items that you get in the garden. Compost sacks are very easily reused for things like sort of carrying around green waste and things like that. But how do you get your compost without buying a compost sack as well. And in fact, that sort of issue of how to avoid plastic coming into the garden, even when you're not buying it yourself directly, like for example, on plants that you buy and that kind of thing, that's a huge issue. And that's very much something that I'll be addressing as well. This is such an exciting conversation, Sally, because obviously you and I have been planning this series for a while now, but even just hearing you unearth and uncover some of these ideas like the way the plant actually grows in a pot or a plastic free pot this actually could be quite not revolutionary but it could really start to open up our minds to really consider a different way of growing and gardening well this is it you see because for me it's really extended a little bit beyond the issue of reducing plastic in the garden, actually. I mean, it sounds an odd thing to say because obviously that was the main incentive behind doing this. But I feel like I really have discovered a different way of doing things that's actually better. And I think in some ways we've been sort of conditioned really just to reach for plastic whenever we are out in the garden. We've been doing it for years and years and years and it's become a real habit. And we've not questioned whether it's the best thing to do, whether it's the best way of growing our plants. And really, I think that that kind of needs questioning now. You know, I I really hate these kind of received wisdoms and habits and things which nobody ever questions. And I think plastic very much does fall into that category. I think it's time that we started asking ourselves whether there is a better way to do it. If there isn't a better way to do it, then absolutely fine, you know, carry on using plastic. But if there is a better way to do it, then why aren't we doing that? Sally next. You can hear more from The Garden Podcast at rhs.org.uk forward slash The Garden Podcast. And to finish today, as we've entered a new decade, it's set to be a big year for us at the RHS as we're set to open a brand new site in the northwest RHS Garden Bridgewater near Manchester. It's currently one of Europe's biggest gardening projects and we're really excited for visitors to see it later this year. We asked some of the team around the RHS what they are most looking forward to horticulturally in 2020. My name's Matthew Pottage and I'm the curator of RHS Garden Wisley. So something I'm looking forward to in 2020 is trying a new plant, which I've seen around lots now in, uh, in the year, and seeing other people buying it and trying it. And it's a Senecia called Angel Wings, which has these enormous bright white leaves. It almost looks a bit too good to be true. And 
It reminded me of something out of some of the mountain daisies you see from parts of the southern hemisphere. And I remember trying to grow something that reminded me of uh, called Pakistujia in Cygnus, which is incredibly difficult to keep happy uh, in the southeast, it seems. And anyway, I saw this in ECL with these big glowing white leaves and thought, I'm sure that's very difficult to keep going, uh, but I can imagine the appeal. And anyway, it looks like I've been proven wrong because I keep seeing it all over the place in people's gardens most recently on a friend's Twitter feed in his garden in Ireland where it's formed this enormous great cushion of white foliage and there's nothing else quite like it and it looks absolutely intriguing so I want to get hold of one of those for myself and give it a go. I'm Melissa Mabbitt and I'm a journalist on The Garden, the members magazine for the RHS. This year I'm going to go to the Cardiff show, the RHS Cardiff show, because I haven't been for years and Cardiff's my hometown and I, there's a lot more there than there was a few years ago so I'm really looking forward to giving that show a go this year and revisiting it. I'm Chris Young, editor of The Garden magazine and the thing that I'm really looking forward to in 2020 is the publishing of a book called Your Wellbeing Garden and I have a vested interest because I oversee all of the publishing we do at the RHS but this book is going to be incredibly important. For so many of us, health and well-being, both physical and mental health, is so important but there's so much research now that proves that many elements of gardening is good for you and hooray and about time too, I reckon. So what we've done is we've put all of this research into a book and the book Your Wellbeing Garden is going to be coming out in February published by the RHS and Dorden Kindersley and it's a real useful guide about why birdsong is important in the morning to lift your spirits why hedges can act as pollution busters if you're living in the middle of a town why gardening is good for you because actually touching the soil stimulates and, and activates your brain all of these things that for many of us we kind of know but that actually we're able to prove them now because there's so much research and science around the world about this. So for me, it's about the well-being garden next year, the book, and about why and how we can prove that gardening really is good for you. So personally, what I'm really looking forward to trying is growing my own manuka. So manuka is also called the New Zealand tea tree, and I've seen it growing out in the wild, and it's almost like their equivalent of gorse. You can also buy it in garden centres here. And what it's really famous for is honey. So the, the honeybees make a manuka honey and it's supposed to have all these amazing antibacterial properties and it's really, really expensive, it's really prized. And I thought, well, why not give it a go? So I'm going to plant out some seedlings that I've grown. They're overwintering in the greenhouse. I'm going to plant a few out next year, fairly close to the beehive because I've got a beehive on my allotment. And maybe, who knows, if they grow, if I get the bees through the winter, maybe I'll have a little bit of manuka honey next year. From me, Gareth Richards and all the podcast team, thanks for listening and a very happy new year. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. 
The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the Rhydon. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.